Whether it's for work or play, we rely on home internet so much these days. Being connected and staying connected has never been more important. So if you want reliable internet bought you at speed, switch to Aussie Broadband. It only takes a few minutes to sign up and their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help. Aussie Broadband, the actual Aussie way. Find out more at aussiebroadband.com.au. T's and C's apply. G'day guys, welcome back to Dylan Friends. This week on the show, a incredible man, very, very, very cool guest and someone, I know I say this a lot, but someone I've been really, really wanting to get on for a long time and you'll find out the story uh, as soon as we get into it. His name is Tom Harkin, founder, CEO of Tomorrow Man, Tomorrow Woman and Tomorrow People, all-around superstar and doing incredible things um, for the young generation and the older generation, in fact, um, in in mental health and, and yeah, just being your true self. I really, really... Love what he's all about, and um, I must say he's he's a big reason why I am doing, um, you know, and trying to do what I do today. He, he was the first person that I ever sort of saw on TV or television about, you know, nearly six years ago, um, talking about mental health and 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 running workshops in schools and programs in workplaces. Um, so there's just so much there to talk about, and absolutely love it. And um, yeah, I definitely actually needed this one. I needed to listen to it. I needed to have a chat with him, um, and I think he did too. So. It's really good to just keep checking in. Um, I know we talk about this stuff a lot, but I do feel like it's one of those things you keep. You need to keep refreshing yourself on and always keep on top of. Um, I really hope you give this one a chance and give it a full, full listen. Um, I know you'll love it. If you're not subscribed, make sure you are. That'd be absolutely awesome. And it really, really helps the show a lot. Follow on Spotify and even turn on the little notification um, buzzer too, which lets you know when we drop new apps. We've got um, obviously the apps on Mondays that come out. We've got the new minis that come out, which are absolutely dominating at the moment. Thank you so much to everyone listening to them. Um, and then we've got little snippets coming out of just my favorite little bits of gold over the last sort of four years that come out on Saturday too, um, which, which you know, show some of the older content that we've had and go back and listen to some older shows. And if you've got any recommendations for them too, make sure you check them out. Let me know and I'll get them snipped up. Illy XX. Hi fam, it's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friends. He's like, you can embarrass yourself. And I was like, bro, do you want me to do all seven verses? Bit arrogant. Didn't know all yeah. seven. <laughs> I've been in a bad team for 10 years and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. All you can do is put your hand up and say you're wrong. Banter is a way that guys connect, a way that we can kind of play it safe with someone until we get to know them. I try to fix people sometimes. I'm like, Dan, stop doing that. Just listen. And you stack on top of that the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog. It's easy. They had no other way to get out of the cave and we either turn our backs on them, in which case they're going to die, or we give this crazy idea a go. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Tom Arkin, thank you for coming on today. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks thank you very me. much. Now, um, obviously, this is your first time on the show, but it's not the first time I've spoken about it or known you. I, I We saw you doing a podcast in here with um, Hunter Johnson yep. uh, a, a while ago. He's a mutual friend of ours. And I must admit, I've been a fan of your work for a long time. And it, and it, without saying this, I'm, I'm honestly not making this up. It's had a massive, massive impact on me without you knowing mm. um, how big it's been. When I was in this period you're talking about, like when I was starting the show and when things were going for me and I was trying to work out what I wanted to do and who I was and like any young man trying to grow up and navigate the world, I... In about 2017 or 2016, I would say, mm. I stumbled upon a show on ABC okay. called Man Up. Mm. And you were on this on this show. And it was like, for me, being at that age, I think I was probably about 25. And it was the first time I'd ever seen anything on TV. Like I'd been in AFL system for sort of six years. But it was the first time I'd ever seen anything about like men's health and talking mm. so openly about it and you know he spoke about your organization at tomorrow man and it was with um 
Gus Warland yep. and his organization called Gotcha for Life. Gotcha for Life. And it was unbelievable. It spoke about like you going to schools and what you do. Spoke about him going to like um, charity work sites, talking about older men and mm. about mental health and and all these sorts of things. And it hit me. And it was the first time I'd ever been like, oh my god, like that is unbelievable. Like yeah. unbelievable. And I cried. Like I actually cried. It was the first time I cried, and I cry all the time now. Mm. It was the first time I cried, and I was like hiding it. And I was like, oh my god, because it hit me. I'm sure we'll get into all this today, but like. I remember seeing these things and all these conversations we avoid and everything that built up in my life. And I was like, fuck, I'm one of these kids. I've never had the chance to sort of like talk about my feelings. Mm. Um, I can see my dad in these other guys who's like this hardened old guy that is um, at this sort of like stage in his life where he's never had mental health or uh, like, you know, been open to talk about mental health. And he, you know, goes to the pub and drinks with his mates, but he's, you know, a very like stoic character. And, you know, he, you know, would never express emotion and these sort of things. And I was just like, it just, I just remember sitting on the couch just being like, what the fuck is going on right now? This is unbelievable. And from that, I actually emailed you. Mm, And I've got the email from like 2016, like up. And basically, you know, the the grammar. Did I I reply? You did. No, you replied. Yeah, you did. You replied. And um, the grammar is actually like, I can't even read it because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I, I'm sure you were just like ciphering through trying to work out what I was saying. But um, basically just said in there, um, you know, get out time, like massive fan of like what you've done. Like I'd love to come meet up with you and mm. and have a chat about all these things. Like I've got a day off at Carlton, da, 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 da. You replied, um, I ended up having, in the next email, I actually had to pull out because training got moved. But I'll never yeah. forget like that initial chat. And this, and without saying it, like, you know, there's been many factors. Your... Um, that moment probably kickstarted my whole journey into this space. Wow, yeah, mm. that's pretty. That's pretty hectic. It is cool. It, it, you know, just I just had this w- really random memory um, when because I started at the Reach Foundation. Yeah, and um, like um, the Reach Foundation was young people inspiring young people, like a lot of self development and that kind of stuff. And you'd often be asked, like, what, what, what do you, what, like, what do you want your legacy to be or like what's a goal that you have? And weirdly, just as you were saying that, I remembered, I don't know how old I was, but I had this this strange dream where I was like, I would love at some point to have played a role in positively shaping somebody's Mm. life without knowing that it had happened and to have somebody kind of come and say, hey, we've never met, but something that you've put out there in the mm. world has has managed to make that happen um which is cool you know well, when you, you hear mate, those things it's humbling you're you, like, wow. yeah you've 100 percent done that and i think mm. um it's cool to be able to tell you that now today what like sort of six seven years later it's almost cooler mm. that it wasn't straight away and yeah. the work's been done and i've yeah i've always been keeping a close eye on what you're doing and um, I, I say this nearly every week. The boys did a video before taking the piss about things I say. And I always mm. say this episode's a long time in the making. Yeah, But yeah. it actually is a long time <laughs> in the making. It's probably six, seven years in the making. So firstly, I just want to thank you because yeah, cheers, um, man. without you, you know, putting yourself out there and, you, you know, doing all the incredible work you do, mm. um, I don't know where I would be like with that stuff because I don't think it would have given me, you know, the confidence to do that and even mm. just the idea to do it. Sometimes you don't know you don't know what you're capable of until you see someone else sort of do something yeah, um, and you admire what they're doing. So um, congratulations. Cheers, man. It's, it's hectic. I mean, obviously like so many people, um, you know, actually so many people put their asses on the line for that show. It's kind of, you know, interesting how it actually got to be made, but um, it's like traveling around the country since that show, it's mind blowing 
how many people have started something having watched Man Up. Yeah. Like we did this thing with um, Movember kind of taking Man Up on the road and running these things in pubs and, you know, breweries around Australia. Um, and so many guys rocked up and were like, here's my T-shirt, me and my mates have started this men's organisation. Or, it, But there was just so many of them and I'd never really thought about it that way. It's amazing like when there's a bat light out there or something and people go, oh, that's speaking like you were saying, that's mm. speaking to something in me that I didn't really have a place or somebody to talk to and it's resonating and it's just kind of lit a fire and, you know, I can do it. It's, mm. it's yeah, it's It's contagious. I think it's, yeah. it's super contagious. I think with, we're talking about this, I don't like stereotyping into males and females, but I think especially in males in this circumstance, it is mm. a part where maybe because in the last sort of 10 years it, everything's evolved and it's taken um, time for other people to do things and, and, and then men do get really motivated and, and seeing other people, like even with the podcast, for example, I'm not sitting here today starting, saying I've inspired people to start podcasts, but mm. I do see so many young kids now sitting down yeah. with their best mates, starting a show, talking about like blokes and mental health. I'm sure. like, wow, this is like, I, that's not me, but it's just what's happening. It's like it is contagious eyes. and it's like, imagine if I was 16, the last thing I thought I'd sit down with my mate and have a serious conversation about something. So yeah. I think it's cool. It's important and it's great and you're doing great work in that space. Um, can I ask you a question? Please. You, 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 like you were saying, like when you watched the show, it yeah. just opened something up in you and you mm. were like, oh, as a kid I didn't have, you know, necessarily the people to talk to to kind of speak to what was going on for you and you just said it again there, you were 16. Like what What was the stuff going on mm. for you as a 16-year-old bloke that you were like, oh, nobody to talk to about this stuff? Yeah, I think like um, on reflection now and you don't probably realise it at the time but you do – as a as a young person get put in probably like categorize really quickly on who you are and what your interests are and what that role is that you play in the friendship group and yeah right. um for me you know that was um quickly being like sporty guy always had that um probably role of like um not not alpha not alpha per se but like you know you sure. know yeah like that, like that stereotypical, stereotypical bloke, bloke just yeah playing footy um, and, you know, the goal of sort of playing AFL and you do shape that role quickly. And I think I yeah. definitely fell into that and fell into those stereotypes um, as a young kid before you realise, fuck, is this actually who I am? Is this what my interests are? And yeah, um, right. and that sort of stuff. And I, I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but I found this really cool thing recently and it's sort of like, fuck, I wish I knew that. Not that I wish I knew it, but it would have been cool to sort of understand this when I was younger was like, it spoke about strengths and weaknesses. Oh, yeah. And it spoke about like this research around strengths and weaknesses. Like a strength is something we perceive that we're like good at. So for example, um, I use the analogy like footy for me, like because I was quite good at that as a junior, I thought that was a strength because I was good at it. Yeah. But a strength now, a way of looking at it is like something that gives you strength. Mm. So whether that's like art and even if I was shit at it, but I really enjoyed it and it strengthened me, that's a strength. Yeah, I like And that. like a weakness is something that makes you – you know, weaker, it takes away from you. So maybe, um, not saying this was me as a kid because I love playing footy, but towards the end, maybe footy was a weakness because it actually drained me of energy. It didn't make me a better person. It wasn't yeah. probably what I was meant to be doing. So I think just things like that, um, as a 16, I just fell into those, um, you know, those stereotypes of just like like most kids do. Like my, yeah. Yeah, like 100%. a lot of young men that you work with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I relate to that. I mean, I, I feel like as a, as a, it's such a rough trot as a teenager because you're trying to work out who you are and 
from every angle you're being told what you should be and what the categories are. You know, like if you think about growing up as a teenager, what life would be like if there was no media whatsoever. Mm. So if there wasn't movies and there wasn't all of that kind of stuff, there wasn't sitcoms that kind of showed all the archetypal roles that are played in a group. I don't know. I just feel like maybe people would be heaps better off, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I mean, HBO is sick and, you know, it helps the hours go by. But I just feel like that that time in life is brutal. Like it can be amazing, like heaps of firsts and all of that kind of stuff. Like I've got some incredible memories um, from that time. But I wouldn't go back now that I feel the way that I do. Like I remember agonising in front of the mirror. I had red hair. Still have red hair. It's starting to go. Strawberry. Yeah, strawberry. Oh, yeah. It was much redder when I was a kid. Um, and I hated it. Like, I fucking hated it so bad. And if somebody said, like, um, you know, Rangar or, you know, ginger pubes or something like it was like daggers. Yeah. Like, just like, you know, that thing that you never wanted anybody to say when you're a kid, you know, because you, you had blown it up to be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And so I remember being in uh, Reese's house, my best mate, and uh, I think his mum, I don't know, she wasn't a hairdresser, but she, she did their hair, like she was a mum that cut hair or whatever, and just burning my scalp off, you know, peroxide. like Blonde. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah getting peroxide from the reject shop and just yeah. layering it on until yeah. everything was burning. <laughs> and, um, and then this, this filthy um, – gel that they used to sell in tubs yes. like literally like a big tub of it from the reject shop and i would layer it you could tap my head like you could actually get a sound off the <laughs> hair um but i would sit in front of the mirror and it would be like agonizing like is it you know is every strand where it needs to be like anybody notices yeah. like anybody gives a shit but it was like just that level of self-consciousness um i would never want to go back to never no. want to go back to that no um, no, it, well, but the, the funniest thing is, um, and again, it's, it's all experience. We put a lot of fancy words on things these these days around like, you know, crucible moments and stuff in mm. stories, but realistically, you know, it's just growing up. Yeah. And I think we realise that like um, a really cool part that I loved the other day was like, you're not the main character of everyone else's story. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you live in your own body, you got your own mind. You think that like everyone cares about you as much sure. as they care about themselves. And like yeah. in the day, it's like no one... In a harsh way, no one really cares. Yeah, so like, yeah. just do what you want to do. Um, focus on yourself and and um, and not stress too much. It's easier said than done, but I think yeah. it's, it's life experience. Talk us through um, how you got involved in this space. Like, wh- how did it, the birth of Tomorrow Man, Tomorrow Architect, Tomorrow Woman, and Tomorrow People, which is a new <laughs> one, you've just got fucking tomorrow everything. Oh, no. <laughs> we need to stop with the tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I I I feel like it began with Mum. Like to like for me. Uh, that same kid, Reese. I remember um, one day we were at school, <laughs> primary school, and I called him a uh, fat pommy something. Uh, he was an English. He was uh, from the UK, and we'd been having a fight. We we're on a, off, off and on again, mates, and um, and so we lived in Frankston. And I I went to the shops to head home, and he saw me go off to the shops. Went home to his mum. And she told him to come out and sort me out. And so I was driving past the bottom of his court and I didn't see him coming down the hill, but he wrote, you know, rode up um, behind me and, um, and he got me off my bike and he clocked me in the face. And it was the first time I'd ever been punched. 
And so I went home and uh, I remember, I distinctly remember walking down the driveway and starting to cry as I got to the, the little wood ramp to the front door because I knew mum was going to be there. So I'd been holding it, holding it, holding it, got to the ramp, started crying. Mum opens the door and she took me inside and we sat on this chair in the kitchen and she, like, I'll never forget the conversation. Like there was something that kind of clicked in my head where she got me to unpack the whole thing. She was like, "What? so what happened? How did it lead up? What did you say? What do you reckon that made him feel? What do you reckon he decided to do with that feeling? You know, da 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 da. And something clicked for me that it 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 wasn't about me that I had done something to him that had kind of built a pain in him and he took it out on me, but it wasn't about me. Um, and I don't know how many people. I don't know whether people get to have those conversations, whether their parents are in that zone. Like my parents had been kind of pack-a-day smokers and all this kind of stuff and they found yoga before yoga was cool and uh, and they got into that and, and I think that I benefited from that. My brother and sister are way younger than me and so they're kind of like, well, yeah, you got the, <laughs> you got the yoga parents, we got the angry chain yeah. smokers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just having, having somebody at home unpacking that stuff and maybe she would, like they were both more chilled out as parents because they had done it, they'd been around a few times. So that for me, that's where it began. I was an emotionally in touch kid. I had a lot of emotion. Like my thing at school was I knew that, you know, that, that moment where you're in, in a group of people and you're all taking the piss out of each other and it just turns on one person mm. and I knew that, if, if it rounded on me with a bit of viciousness that I'd go to tears. Like I just had a lot of emotion inside of me and I was just spending a lot of time trying to hide it and seem like a psycho like that because I was a little kid and so I just that was my defence mechanism, seemed like I was an angry nutcase and then they would leave me alone. But the truth was like thin veneer. Um, and so I feel like I didn't have a place to put that. It didn't feel okay to have that. Actually, it felt like the worst thing I could have had. You talked about strengths and weaknesses. Um, it felt like this kind of kryptonite for me. And then when I was 17, I went to Nepal um, and it blew my mind. Like it was a school trip and I I was a pretty negative kid, real smart ass, always finding the, the hole in something and letting people know about it. And I saw these people that were just so full of life. Like I remember seeing these guys skipping down the scrolling men that was skipping down the street holding hands laughing and i was like what like what even is that mm. you know what i mean like have you ever seen that in your life no. No. no but it was normal and they were just happy dudes that were able to show affection to each other and i thought something was up my like i thought that people were being sus on on the niceness that people were directing to me i thought there was like are they trying to get something off me and it took like a couple of weeks for me to realise that, that that wasn't the case. These are just like good, generous people. I couldn't, I just, I couldn't work it out because I didn't have anything, you know. Like we took over our old runners and that was like gold to them. 
And so they didn't have anything. Why were they so happy? Here I was at home and I had a good safe home to go home to. I had three meals on the table um, and yet I was kind of shit canning life and all that kind of stuff. So it just cracked something inside of me. I came home. I wanted to change things. I changed my friendship group. And the new people that I was hanging out with, some of them I'd gone to primary school with, they were doing this reach thing. And that's where it kind of kicked off. Um, I went along to this session that was happening in the drama room at Frankston High and I thought they were going to be there and they weren't. It turns out I was in the intro and they were in the advanced one. It was on a different time and so I tried to leave. Um, <laughs> so I was like, fuck this, I'm not hanging around on my own. And this guy, Sammy Cav, who's now a really good mate, came up and said, um, you know, where are you going? And I said, oh, I made a mistake. This isn't for me. And um, and he said, oh, well, if it's shit, like what are you lost, two hours, you know? So why don't you just hang out? And... I often, like it often sounds pretty stupid, but he swore at me. And so I was like, this guy's sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll stick around. And so I did stay um, and it, it was the best decision of my life, I reckon. Like the thing that I lo- loved about it, I mean, it was started by Jim Steins and I think because it was a charismatic bloke running the organisation, there was a lot of blokes that turned up at it as mm. teenagers and in their 20s. And I hadn't been around guys that I would deem as what I wanted to be, which yep. is a real bloke, but also able to shed tears, you know, openly just sit there just crying, going like this part of my life is fucked and I'm hurting and I don't have a solution for it and I'm feeling it, you know, I don't know what to do with it. Um, and then the next moment be bantering, taking the piss and, you know, you know, punching in the arm and having a bit of fun with you or whatever it might be or lifting somebody else up. And I was like, this is my jam. Like, I've been looking for this. And it was like when I was able to, because I had heaps of emotion, when I was able to express it, talk through it, people were responding in a way that I never thought they would have, like in going like, hey, like that – like you're a special person. Like that's 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 amazing what you've just said there, what you've just done there. And I was like, oh my god! Like it's it's like kind of um, <laughs> weird example. I remember I used to run these primary school workshops, and it was like about accepting difference or something. We came up with this story, and it was like. You know, imagine if every everybody was just blue. Everybody was like color blue, and they were exactly the same size, exactly the same shape, and they had the same name, and they they would like literally exactly the same. What would that be like? And the kids would be like, "Oh, that'd be boring." You know, <laughs> that'd be boring. You wouldn't know who like your people were. You wouldn't know who you found. You wouldn't be. It'd just be boring. Like you'd get over it. And it's like, yeah, I like, imagine if there was a planet like that. And then they came here and they saw all the difference and what would they think? And they'd be like, oh, they'd be like, this is cool. Like there's there's heaps of difference. And I think that it, for me I, I felt like I had something that I needed to get out of me and get rid of and, and I wished it away. I wished it away. I wished I was like the other guys. Like I had mates that I had kind of held on to from primary school and they were the ultimate, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? These guys were six foot – they dominated the sporting field. They had the girls. They had all that stuff. And I just I just wanted to be like them and I thought that I would gotten ripped off. And then suddenly I was in this environment. It's like, oh, no, in this world, what you've got, superpower. It's epic. Mm. It's amazing. And you just happen to be built for it. And so I, I, I stuck with that. I was like, this is, this is incredible because I do want to be a bloke and I've always wanted to keep that. I've, all, I've always resonated with that archetype still of – 
and I know I don't know why to be honest like I don't think I've ever really thought deeply about it is it because I grew up in Frankston that was the mold of a man is it because that's always been innate to me um I don't know I don't know where it's come from but I I like edge I like kind of going hard you know I was talking before about how I've (laughs) damaged my back and had a back (laughs) surgery because that's just a part of who I am. All my mates kind of know that. Like, man, like you don't do things in halves. Like you're intense. You're full on, full throttle. But also I got heaps of vulnerability, you know. Like I I shed tears often, you know. I got a lot of them inside and, and, and I think like it's pretty cool to be able to marry those up. So that was the beginning of it all. Tomorrow Man, you know, popped out of the back of that because I was like, hey, there's something for young people. But where's the actual place for my mates from Frankston where they would willingly go to it because it's talking their language and it feels cool. Mm. Um, It doesn't feel like a sellout and it doesn't feel like a compartmentalised self-help over here. just feels like, oh, that's just how cool would it be to live that way, talk that way with your mates, to be able to have the flex and range to be able to do those things. Um, I think we've got a lot of research solutions around health men's mental health, all of that kind of stuff. But I don't think we've got the marketing right. I don't think we've got the language right. I don't think we're making it look aspirational enough. And so I was like, I I think we can do that. Like let's create those environments that are just like, oh, shit, I just – this doesn't feel like a lecture. It doesn't feel like I'm being told. It doesn't feel cringy. Um, It it just feels – it actually feels like a release. It feels like what you were talking about before. It gives me strength. It just releases energy in me. Um, and then tomorrow woman, um, you know, Paige and I, my wife, we started, we kind of went out on a limb when we had Riv five years ago and set up tomorrow architects and, and tomorrow man almost simultaneously. And tomorrow architects was paying the bills. It's a bit of leadership work that I've been doing for a long time. And Paige had always been really passionate about doing something for women and school started to come to us and say, Hey, this what you're doing with these guys is incredible, but we don't have an equivalent to give to the girls, so we're going to have to stop getting you getting you here. And Paige is like, "Well, I want to do this thing; it's needed." Um, and so tomorrow, woman, uh, you know, came about, and now tomorrow people just add another tomorrow. But tomorrow people, like to be honest, a lot of these, like we didn't set out to start anything. If somebody had said to me, hey, you're going to have 40 people across these brands in five years, you just hit this button if you want it, hit this button if you don't, I would have hit the don't for sure. Like so daunting, you know, 40 people and, you know, a couple of thousand workshops across the country. It's all got size and it all asks something of you. Mm. Um, But we've always made the decisions based on who are we to stand in the way of this. When tomorrow, man, like Gussie after – um, man up gave me a call and he was like, mate, I can't go back to just the shits and giggles of, you know, radio after this. I, like I, I love the shits and giggles of radio but I, I need something more meaningful. I can't walk away from what I've seen. And so he he's like, I want to fund it. I want to make sure that you guys are able to get more of these workshops, more people like you across these schools. And we knew that we had the capability to run good content and get the tone right. And so it was like, well, who are we standing in the way of it? Um, we weren't out there on a mission to do it. But now that it's happened, it's, it's incredible. Tomorrow People's a bit similar. Like I think that most people would agree 
the definition of masculinity is changing. Like we're kind of rewriting the rule book a bit and flexing it and keep, keep the old stuff that we love but build new capabilities that have traditionally been no-go zones. Um, similar for women, you know, the range in what they are, what's normal for a woman to do since the 50s when they're only allowed to stay in the house has completely expanded. I don't think we're having enough conversations across the gender spectrum about how the relationship between the genders are, are, is shifting and like literally them in a room going, how do we work out our relationship? Mm. And I've experienced that with Paige. Um, heaps of my mates have experienced it, like, like the mental load. Am I holding enough and am I a patriarchal bloke without knowing it and all this kind of, what is patriarchy? I hate that word. You know, a lot of blokes just feel allergic to the word. And so we're like, hey, we need to get in a room and talk about this. Because well, that's actually like girls and boys together going through the, the stuff. 100%. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's actually Thousands of Aussies trust Aussie broadband to keep them connected to the world, even when they're on the go. Because as well as reliable home internet, Aussie broadband also offers flexible mobile plans with super generous data allowances and no locking contracts. Their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help you make the switch. It only takes a few minutes. Aussie broadband, the actual Aussie way. Search Aussie Broadband Mobile to find out more. T's and C's apply. Interesting because we had an episode a couple of weeks ago with Luke and Daniel Mancuso from mm. Yaya Next Door. I'm not sure if you've heard of um, their work before. What? Yaya Next Door? No, I haven't. Okay, so they're um, advocate uh, advocacy for domestic violence oh, and, and their mother unfortunately lost her life at the hands of the father oh, um, and, and spoke a lot about those gender roles and, mm. and how important it is now. They're like, it, it, it's exactly right. There is no gender roles yeah. anymore. Like we, It's just working out what's best for your relationship and how to best have those conversations. And it was a yeah, really, really good and, and, and massive point that, that he said because unfortunately, um, you know, some people still do live in those those old times where they, unbeknown to themselves, might just automatically assume type things. But for sure, it's all about having those conversations and working out what is what is best for each other. I want to go back to something you said earlier though mm. around um, range. Yeah, and you spoke about yourself, um, which is something that I really really love um, about the work you do. And I think this is in terms of like how many so important things there are, but I think range and getting your definition on this and how we can become better. And just because we want to be stoic and manly doesn't mean we can't be vulnerable and, and comforting as well. And yeah, it's just finding sure. your mix of that and finding how you best do it. Yeah. Not everyone's going to do it the same because I remember this and and I'm not saying this in a way to be like um, cute or, or anything, but I, I, I am a really emotional person. I remember even when I was a kid, mm. I'd be watching movies and like I'd know that I was about to cry. Like yeah, I could yeah. just feel it. And I was like, I've just got to go to the bathroom for a second. And like <laughs> yeah, I'd just yeah, go yeah. like to the toilet and just sort yeah. of like wait for my eyes to like water down. Yeah. Come back. This one I was sitting next to my sister, sure, like yeah, next yeah. to my mum and dad. And I was yeah. like, fuck, I don't know what to do here. So I'm just going to like pretend I need to go to the bathroom. Yeah, 100%. Um, and wait for it to go away. <laughs> but as yeah. I've gotten older, I realised that is such – it is a strength for me. Like it yeah. is a massive strength. And that doesn't mean that I'm um, – you know, less of a bloke. And actually, I feel like it makes me makes me tougher. And then yeah. it makes when I I do want to be, um, you know, tough and strong, and, and I do want to have grit that it that it helps it and it actually supports yep. it. So yep. talk us through range. Talk us through maybe how you educate um, young blokes and and um, specifically young men in Tomorrow Man on this. For sure. And what might be something that like eventually, like when you first go into um, a a um, a school that you'd sort of run the program. How would it sort of take place? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. Like I'll talk about the school second yep. and, and range first. There's about I, 15 questions in that, yeah. one, that one. So just, just answer them all, please. The, the, the range piece is about um, 
about empowerment. You know what I mean? Like that's that's about me feeling empowered as a person. If I if if you only give me one choice, that's not power. No, that's that's just a straitjacket. That's the only thing you can do. The more choices you have, the more tools you've got in your toolkit just to take on life. Um, and so range is really about saying, do you have the range of tools, of attributes as a human being to live a full life? Or have you only been given like half the toolkit and you only get half life? So, all right, you got half the toolkit. You need to be strong at all times, invulnerable. You know, you need to be, you know, get it done. You need to be the guy that provides and always gets it done and never fails in that. Um, you need to be the ultimate man's man. You need to always put the boys first, never the girls first. Just so you know, like, like all of that, like you just correlate with that with the stats. If you take it as a given and you never move out of those bounds, and you got a pretty intense life, you know, and it, and it's probably going to struggle because it's like a, you know a stick with no flex, you know, like you put enough pressure on one choice and it just snaps eventually. And once it's snapped, how do you get it back together? It's really hard. So, you know, having flex and range means, okay, when this gets too much for me, I might say, hey, I'm a man's man. I just, I love this shit that you guys do, but I'm a man's man, you know, like it's just who I am mm-hmm. and you, know, you guys get up to that teary stuff and yeah, whatever. Let me know all, when you all good. Yeah, yeah, let me know when you do this later. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Like you can do that, but that guy might still get to a point where he's like, ah, as much as I hate this teary shit, I, like <laughs> the whole thing's going to come apart. And yeah. so I've, I've got to do a bit of this. I've got to come back over here and just get a bit of range and do a bit of that. I still might not define myself as that kind of guy, but at least I can go there when I need to go there for the health of myself and the people I love. And so I feel like range is just saying, like, the thing that's always – I don't know where this came from, but I've always just been scared of shit, you know what I mean? Like, like I mean, everybody's scared of stuff. You're scared of going up to the girl, you want to pash or whatever, you're scared of, you know, going for it, you're scared of starting a podcast, scared of getting up in front of people, starting a business, whatever. Everybody's scared of stuff. The thing that always got me over that was thinking I'm only here once, like one life, one shot only. Now, other people have different beliefs. Personally, I believe I'm here once. I got one crack and I don't want to miss out on it. So I want to have it all, you know. I want to kiss the girl. I want to, you know, have my heart broken. I want to just want to do stuff, you know what I mean? Like why should I miss out on stuff? I want to I want to cry on my wedding day like I did and say I love you. You're it. Like this one shot I got, you're it. I want to do this with you. I want to rock a dance floor. That wasn't on the cards for Frankston Kid. You don't rock a dance floor. You stand on the side, you tap your toe at most and you just hold your beer and, and grunt, you know. No, no, fuck that. I want to, I want to rock the dance floor and, and, and I want to have stoic strength at the right time. I want people to know that I'm strong. I can tuck it up at the right moment. I can get it done. So I, I feel like, you know, at the heart of it, what's not on the, on, on the marketing or on the website and things like that at times is like no one should miss out. Mm. No woman should miss out. No man should miss out and nobody identifying as everything else in between should miss out on living this thing. Like we're only here once, like we should live it. And so you got to ask, are we getting the tools to do it? Like do we have enough range? And so range for me is just saying um, don't be 
don't be stuck in a claustrophobic kind of one or two tools in my toolkit. Um, you know, just have the range, the, the tool that matches up with the life experience. You know, okay, everybody's rocking the dance floor. Have I got this tool? Do I know how to be a bit of a dick and let my ego go and just jump out on the dance floor? Um, you know, the moment where I do need to be strong, you know, like it's definitely a lot of moments for me where I need to be a stoic male and I'm glad I've got that tool. Yeah. Like when when you're running a business and you've got to pay the mortgage and you've got two kids at home and you're sleep deprived and you want to ball your eyes out but you still got to go to work like sometimes you got to find that and then get home and cry and i will cry on the couch at times i'll say i'm 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 trying to find it in myself to do tomorrow Mm. and i'll and my wife will sit there with me in that and she'll hold me for a moment then next day i'll probably be holding her and she'll be going i don't know the way out of this um but then but then you find your strength and you kind of get back at it. So f- range is about feeling empowered, mm. feeling equipped and not missing out on life. I, I love what you, you said then at, at the, the end about like uh, being still wanting to be a man and being, you know, those characteristics or traits that are, are perceived to be a man because I think that that's something that sometimes we can lose in, in this factor and especially when maybe people talk about this side of things, we, we over harp on the bit. It's like, you know, be vulnerable, be this. It's like, hey, yeah. still be the strongest version of yourself you can be. You can Entirely. still go out there and do everything you want to do and be the tough guy and mm. and, and like you said, support your family and, and support all these things. But no, you can you can be both. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. I love it. It's such a mate. It's a great message. That's that. We need to clip that up. Was that the best you've delivered that? Because that was fucking pretty. You were on. I don't know. I don't know what I, I, I said. Like I don't we're know in, what I said. I felt like we're in flow state then. I was like, ah, yeah. Cool. No, that was really good. Very good. <laughs> well, you, you said what happens in – how does that play out in the yes, workshops? Yes, yes. How does that play out in the workshops? Yeah. So you go into the schools. So in the workshops, like, I mean, I don't know. It, we got heaps of different workshops. So the, the one that probably happens a lot that you saw with those boys, I mean, you would have seen that on, on Man Up yep. um, out at Belgala. Like those boys, Gussie rocked up at that. And I, don't, I can't remember what ended up in, like, in the can and actually on TV, but – um, Gussie had been on radio that morning. He was he was wrecked. He hadn't met me. Like he didn't know who I was or oh, what I did. Oh, you didn't hadn't met yet. Nah. Okay. Nah. So we met outside the school. They filmed. Okay. Yeah. You guys meet each other. Uh, so can I just jump in? I want to put yeah. this into context because this was. I want to give these credit this this show because it was six years old probably now five yeah, or six years se- old yeah, at least yeah six seven years so th- old this yeah. is really early in the stage of running these clinics even like the kids now that you're doing this with, yeah. they're probably. 18, 20 years old now. Yeah, So it would sure. have been the first time – it was the first time I'd seen something like this, let alone kids that age. Yeah. Just wanted to yeah, for sure. give that so, context. So they – like what had happened was that they were like um, – so, so it was, it was Gussie's kids' school, so yes. Jack, um, and, uh, and they basically said, oh, can you get us a group of students? And the school said, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll put a – put together a group of students really nice kids i said no 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 like hang on a second no this has got it has to be a motley crew like you it's got to be Everything, a mixture yeah like you gotta it's got to be a mixture not just the the good kids and um and so at the start of the workshop i was just bantering with them just like well i think we were talking about how shit my tunes were or something like that mm-hmm. and and then i said oh you know what what's a bloke you know like what like what's the stereotype whatever and they were throwing out words and gussie said to me afterwards he said i almost left 
he's like, who, who the F is this guy? Like he's got no clue what he's doing. <laughs> These boys are running amok and this is, this is just a waste of my time. I'm tired. I want to go home. And then he said about 20 minutes into the workshop, the tone shifted. And he's like, a lot of those boys grew up in my kitchen, you know, in our kitchen and lounge room. Like mm. I know those boys and I've never heard those things come out of their mouths. I didn't even know they had that in them. What happened? Like what? what um, so it kind of like this, the start is banter. It's about going what's a bloke and it's not shit canning. It's just going, well, just what's the stereotype? Then then what it moves into is, is I mean, with like in that workshop we get nail polish out. We get a couple of guys to volunteer who go, oh, okay, who wants to keep bantering? with us and then a couple of guys jump up and we pull out red nail polish and then they'll freak out they're like ah you know like they're all taking the piss out of each other suck shit you know you've got to put the nail polish on we get volunteers up to put nail polish on both of their hands and the whole thing is saying um it's all fun and games until we tell the guys that have got it on they got to leave it on for two weeks and then they shit themselves and they get a bit angry sometimes they're like no nah, fuck off <laughs> i'm not doing this why? And they always say things along the lines of, my dad's going to clip me over the year if I get home wearing this stuff. i got footy on the weekend. i got footy. i got training. i got footy, you know. I work at the supermarket. I'm going to get heaps of shit. Like I'm at the cash. Like I'm a, I'm a checkout dude, you know. I'm going to get paid out for this. And so we then ask them, well, why? Oh, because this isn't a, guy, a thing that guys do. Who wrote the rule? Nobody can find who wrote the rule. And so it's just this moment in time of going, how many rules do we follow? And we're actually scared. We get angry if somebody tells us to break them. No idea who wrote it. Some person 50, 100 years ago wrote it. And then a lot of blokes will go, hey, what's the definition of a bloke when it comes to rules? And they go, break them. You know, that's, that's the number one thing that guys say, break them. You know, you write your own rules. I'm my own man. Nobody's the man of me. And it's like, oh, yeah, but you're shit scared to put a bit of red nail polish on because somebody <laughs> wrote a rule and you don't want to break it. And they're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> 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 kind of head blow up. And, and, and that's where things start to change because it's like going, we're not saying that you need to go and break all these bloke rules, but just hold them lightly. Somebody wrote them, you don't know who did. So maybe question whether you have to follow them or you can walk your own path. And then we start to look at if you follow these rules, have a look at the stats and it's not hard to see how they end up. If, if you never learn how to talk about your emotions, you break down, you know, you break down. No one human being has all the answers to life. If you don't learn, if you learn, because the, the boys in high school, you go, how do you sort your problems out? And they'll go, stereotype of blokes, sort them out with your fists. You just get it done. We don't talk, 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 talk like the girls. We just get it done. And then your mates again. That might work as a 15-year-old, maybe, sometimes. Um, but it definitely doesn't work as a 30-year-old man uh, sleep-deprived in a house with your wife, you know. Like then it ends up in the most horrific stats we can find. Mm. So it's that kind of thing of just going, okay, if we blindly follow these rules and never break them, we find ourselves in trouble. And what they end up saying in the room is, hey, I can name about 50 stories of these stats. My dad, my uncle, my older brother, this is bullshit. If I care about these guys in this room, we have to change things. It's like that's a no-brainer. That's not like being being a holier-than-thou guy. That's just a no-brainer. If I give a shit about my mates, fuck these rules that somebody else wrote. You know what I mean? Like that marketing companies are making some cash off. 
let's give them something else to market. Like let's just change the rule book. So we've got better lives, healthier blokes, healthier families, all that kind of stuff. And then they start talking about how the rules are already working on them because they're going, yeah, I know what my dad's this stat, my uncle. i got some stuff going on. None of these boys know about it. And so when one guy shares a bit of emotion, they all go, shit, that was, that was actually incredible. Well, why didn't you tell me that earlier? Like, I want to help you, man. How dare you not tell me about this? What, you've been going through that for months? We've been in schools, man, where, where kids heartbreaking. Like, a, like a, a boy just starts bawling his eyes out in a country school or in a metro region. You'll be like, oh, my dad died three months ago. Nobody knows. Just this kid's been sitting in with it. And the boys are like going, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like how could you sit with that on your own? Oh, I didn't want to be a buzzkill, man. Didn't want to be a buzzkill. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. We're getting something seriously wrong. So the the thing that happened in that workshop that everybody saw on the TV and so many people have asked me after the workshop, Gussie said, mate, did, was this just like a unicorn? Like did we just have the best all-time workshop and we caught it on camera? I said, no, that happens every time, Gussie. That's how much incredible life and emotional poetry because it is that's what it is when these young guys start talking the teachers often say i didn't think they could talk like that i didn't how i've never heard them talk like that that was so articulate so emotionally in touch where the hell did that come from and it's like well it's just hiding just below the surface and that's that that's the frustrating thing for me i get pretty pissed about it because i'm like we got a cure and it's pretty simple it's just like genuine, authentic, non-judgmental environments where people can be a bit more themselves. And then you see all of this magic come out of these young guys. But because we work with all age demographics, I'm out there with 50 and 60-year-old blokes in machinery sheds and country town halls and footy clubs. And they were those guys. Mm. But they got so good at hiding it that at 50, 60, we're in a shearing shed and these guys start talking honestly and you go, how many blokes in this room have ever heard heard a man talk like this guy's just spoken? And I go, never. I have never in my life sat with another man and heard them talk like that. That's a heart, like it's 50 years. Yeah. 50 years I've been alive on this earth. And you talk about not missing out. In my book, that's missing out. That's missing out on genuine, genuine friendship, genuine support, genuinely being there for the other half of your mate's life that he never shares with you mm. because it's not in the rule book. Like, you're like, that's just, that's just wrong. So we gotta, we got to get it early before we get good at pushing it down because these guys do find it harder to get to it. They're like, man, I've been doing this other gig for 50 years. Mm. Like, this, is, this is harder to get to. I feel like I missed out. I feel like it's a... It's so important and as much as we, you know, we do talk about like the, the incredible work we're doing at schools, like how well our younger generation is educated on this stuff these days. Sure. Like I caught up with people, I get messages all the time and these young kids are sending me, I'm like, fuck me, man, you're better at me <laughs> than incredible. this shit. Like I don't even know how you even know this stuff. Yeah. And that's why it actually really flattens me and makes me a little bit worried going, we're not worried, but actually there's an opportunity massive for, for us to actually, the younger generation to help educate the older guys in our life and our 100%. uncles and our fathers and stuff and you know yep. I, i've been pretty um open on my story with my old man and it did it took me to discover this shit by myself not by myself but like through you know workshops like yourself and mm. having these conversations yeah. to then go to my dad who 
was had probably exactly like those guys had these never spoken about this before with anyone yeah for his own son to educate him on things for sure. which is such a a big space and if we can again i know we're, we're not just talking about boys and men and men are girls and women and, mm. and everyone in between but yeah. like we do sometimes actually have to think hey if you're a young bloke listening to this mm. you can actually be the parent in this situation oh, and you're, you're probably you're probably way more skilled in this space than your parents are for sure yeah i was i was at a uh, 40th on on the weekend um and this guy came up to me and he said oh you do that yeah men's health stuff yeah and i was like yeah and we got into this conversation he said oh my, my dad's never told me he loves me and um and i was like oh yeah um and he's like yeah i've never said it back to him either but he's like but i'm waiting for him to say it because it's a bit of a ripoff if i say it first like does he really mean it if he says it to me and i said like the one thing that I've well, one thing like uh, uh, you get these kind of lessons by being out in these spaces and meeting just heaps of guys and you start to see generational shifts as well like I've been doing this for almost 20 years and you can see a shift in the way year 10 is today to the way they were you know 15 years ago this generation has taught their dads to say I love you yeah. and when I say this generation generation of guys that are about 20 30 at the moment there's so many of them that have actually taught their 60, 70-year-old, you know, old men to say, I love you because they missed out. They didn't grow up in a world where they had that vocabulary. And so we have said it first. I said it first to my dad. Mm. Now now he says it every time we're on the phone, I love <laughs> you, you know. He'll get teary and head to head, you know, we're having a beer and go, I, I just love you, you know. And it's like, wow, that's – like we weren't doing that a mm. while ago, you know. So – we, we are doing that. Rivy, my five-year-old, I was in the kitchen this morning and I, and I said, hey, I, I'm, I'm going on this podcast today, Rivy. And he said, oh, what's a podcast? I said, oh, like you sit down and you talk to somebody, you know. What, what do you think I should talk about? And he was like, oh, oh well, you can talk about what, you, what you're feeling. And I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, yeah, yeah. Like if you're feeling joyful, you can talk about that. If you're feeling excited, you can talk about that. Feeling sad, you can talk about that. I'm like, oh my god, this yeah. is incredible! <laughs> I, I, I was like, I haven't taught him this. Like, where is this? Like, this is actually incredible. I said, oh, like, and he went through like eight emotions, and I was like, most blokes I work with don't know eight emotions yeah. to name. I said, uh, he said like frustrated as well. I was like, hey, where where did you get where did you learn this? And he's like, oh. Um, What's that movie with the emotions and the girl? Like, oh, um, do you know what that is? Inside yeah, Out. Inside, inside out. out. Yeah. So he's like, Inside Out. You know, like they've got all the emotions. That's a very good movie I have seen. And that, I was yeah. like, that's incredible. This kid's five and he knows all these emotions. The other day he was in the car and there's a um, – I was talking about it before he jumped on, but there's this movie Red Panda mm. and it's just been on repeat in our house over and over again. And there's, th there's three characters in it. We're driving up to mum and dad's and I had it on the iPad in the back and Rivy goes, um, and I'm not going to know the characters, but he was like, oh, this character's the bored one and this character's the excited one and this character's the surprised one and this character's the angry one. And I was like, that's bang on. Mm. Like they're in these archetypes where I'm like, oh, yeah, over life or whatever. He's like, oh, that's the bored one, you know. And I'm like, it's exciting, you know what I mean. You come into life with that kind of, you know, ability 
to have those tough conversations, everything gets better. Everything. You know what I mean? Like all your relationships, how you deal with problems, conflicts, sex, you know, being able to say what you need to to be able to realise when you've crossed a line, to be able to have intimate conversations, like all that stuff. Most of us haven't been given the training drills to have those chats. I've realised like the last sort of four years the most too with all these things, they are skills. Like, and I think it's the most underrated sure. thing that we don't talk about the most. Like no one is good at this shit. Nah. Like no one is good at being vulnerable. No one is good at like expressing their emotions. But yeah. the more we do it, the better we get. And not even the better we get, the more comfortable we become. It's like, it's not like the first time you, you have to be vulnerable. You don't tell your deepest, darkest secret to no. all your mates. Like you start off by just asking people how they're going. Yeah, you do this. Sure. And I thought about it like in terms of um, this show, for example, we, you know, two years ago, I had a, a guy on um, Dr. Zach Seidler who works with oh, me. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you, you yeah, know him. Zach well. And that was the first podcast I ever did on mental health. And I was like, oh my God, how are we <laughs> even going to talk about this shit? You know, like, I don't even want to say this. Like, this is so fucking weird. Like, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. And now I can't fucking say a sentence without talking about mindset. Sure. You know? Like, it's just, you just get better at it. You get better at it the way you are. So, for sure. And the boys bag me about it a lot. They, they <laughs> make um, videos all the time pretending to be me. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's such an interesting point about like these workshops that you do. It's just mm. like that continual part knowing that you have to get – we have to sort of get better and keep practicing these things. Yeah, and I think the practice has – like it's really important to practice with live am- ammo, mm. you know, live ammunition to go, geez, my heart rate is like spiking yeah. and my throat's – you know, my, my, I've got the, that kind of tennis ball in the throat and – the tears are coming and I and and they're choking up how well I can talk. Am I just going to stop talking or am I going to learn how to talk through tears? Like learning how to talk through tears. That's a that's that's up there in mm. terms of life skills. Oh, I can continue to talk and there's emotion. Wow. And I'm still going. Like that's an incredible skill that everybody should get the privilege to learn. Um, I don't think we're very good at, at, as a society at sitting in groups or in any kind of situation where there's multiple people mm-hmm. with live emotion. Like we often go take – oh. Let's just, you and I, come over the side and we'll just, you and I just sort that out just one-on-one because that's a bit much. I don't want, we don't need people to see that going on. And then, okay, so if every counselling session happens one-on-one in a closed room and then most people don't talk about it with their mates after, how do you learn how to do it? How do you learn how to do it, you know? So like when you're sitting in like with your football team and somebody's working through something and they're emotional, everybody's lifting weights emotionally there mm. everybody's learning how to sit in a room when the temperature goes up and the windows start sweating it's like oh shit it's on in here at the moment some guys when the first time that happens they'll go oh, i was just i want to get out of this room like i wanted to run for the door and it's like well you made it you made it through and so maybe someday in 10 years your kid will be sharing something with you that is rocking you emotionally and you won't need to run for the door. Because you've done it. That kid's going to thank you for sitting in the room. Mm. There, there are these conversations, these – I often talk about grand final moments. I came up with this analogy years ago um, and everybody in our organisation takes the piss out of me for it. But 
it was this analogy of saying um, it was actually started with Gus. It came up after the inter, after the workshop at Belgala. Gus and I were brought were kept apart, and then we were brought together for the first interview after he had seen the workshop with his son. And one of the things he said was, "Every every kid in Australia needs to have that workshop." And he said, um, "You know, like like at least once. You wouldn't want to do it." much more than that, but at least once. And I was like, oh, I didn't know how those things worked because it was all cameras and stuff. So I was like, can I ask a question? And they're like, yeah, 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 go ahead. And I was like, why once? Like, why only once? And he said, oh, well, it's a bit full on, isn't it? Jeez, like, that, was, that was intense. I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, but, like, I said, does Gussie, um, uh, does Jack play sport? And he's like, yeah, yeah, he does. I said, oh, so do you want him to train to do that? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, just once? And he's like, don't, you know, don't be stupid. And I was like, oh, would you want him to train hard? You know, he's like, well, yeah, like, or, you know, take it easy. He's like, no, he's got to go hard. You know, he's got to find his limits to get better, to know what he's capable of. I'm like, all right, so you're happy for him to do that with sport, take himself to his edge, be completely fatigued, out on his feet, hit his edge, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But practice emotion once, just once with your mates. That'll do it. <laughs> it's like it's not going to do it. And then you ask like there's going to be a grand final of emotion. So sometimes I'll say to people in a workshop, hey, what would you do? You're an amateur and tomorrow you get a phone call and somebody says grand final tomorrow, the grand final, the AFL grand final, the grand final of your sport or art of choice and you're on the biggest stage and there's millions watching you and you're going to be playing all the people that have trained their lives to do it. How would you actually react? And a lot of guys go, I'd shit, I'd throw the phone so far, like, you know, deepest well I could find, I'd bury it. Then I'd just run for it for a few weeks, make sure nobody could find me and get me on that field or whatever it might be. Some people say I would break my leg. Like, you know, they go, I'd injure myself, I'd wipe myself out. Why? Because I'm not ready. I haven't done it. I haven't built up under game pressure to get ready for that moment. And they go, we are all, you've probably already had a couple, grand final, emotional grand final moments in your life mm. where you've needed to have the emotional muscle to handle the intensity of that moment. And who, where did you train for it? Who didn't, trained you? Didn't. Where were the drills? Not only just weathering it, but who trained you how to talk in the centre of that cyclone of emotion, how to put words to it? No one. And then your relationship's on the rocks and you're sitting there in front of each other and you're feeling all this emotion, like, speak? <laughs> I don't know how that happens. And so many couples talk about that. He can't talk. I'm talk are you going to say anything or are you just going to sit there and feel? And the guy's like, ah, but <laughs> I haven't done this before. No, I've never spoken with emotion. What is that? Oh, I've just got to start right now. And you're kind of like, the stakes are pretty high. I love that analogy. It's awesome because it's so true. Like I'm 29 now. Mm. Um, the shit that you're going through at 16, you think you, you don't know what's ahead of you and you don't know what you're going to experience, you know, like no the loss of people, yeah. broken relationships, um, arguments. Like these things unfortunately are inevitable. Like yeah. they're going to happen throughout your life. Yeah. The more that we can get ready for them, the better. There's been so many times where I look back and go, fuck, I wish I held myself a little bit different in that situation. For like sure. I wish I did that differently. That would have been so much better. Yeah. But in saying that, 
the best part about it is like self-awareness and self-reflection and going, how would I have done it better? Yeah. Sometimes we don't get the time to, to train for these things but treat every situation as being better for the next one. For sure. And like yeah, I exactly. look at those situations that you know I've done at the moment where um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I've spoken about with my, my old man. You know, He went through um, alcohol addiction and having to have that conversation with him was like yeah. the worst thing ever. Like it was so fucking hard to, to talk about. Brutal. But since then I can talk to anyone about anything. Yeah, like, okay. And it's just like yeah. it's not – because that was easy. That was so shit and like yeah. the conversation didn't flow. It wasn't good. It was awkward. It was mainly, you know, just weird as conversation and yeah. bouncing around the subject. But since then, we've had to keep having conversations about that. And I was going to say, yeah, yeah like, like what has happened since? Well, like it's just gotten easier. Like yeah, it's right. gotten easier. You know, he's doing really well at the moment but um, and, and since that time. But, you know, we've, we've become so much closer yeah. um, with ourselves. But having those conversations even like in a workplace you know like working with people giving feedback um, it's so fu- it was it was so unfamiliar but you just yeah. it, it's a, like it's a skill that you just have to keep putting yourself in it and big time i think like when you go through um things you go oh that was awesome like learned so much from it yeah but like the next thing's totally different yeah like, exactly. you, know, you can you can harness things from it but um yeah unfortunately like things are going to happen look at it as a as a growing experience and how much you can get out of it because sure. inevitably not everything that we go through as, as men and women are going to be positive. No, and it's kind of interesting. You said like unfortunately we're all going to have those and, and just then not everything will experience is positive. But it just depends. Like I feel like it depends the way you frame it. It like, does because everything that I look at now, I've got one for you. Oh so yeah. this is like you can use this if yeah. you like it. It's um <laughs> about uh, – a, a young guy they said okay if you broke your leg yep today mm-hmm. you'd say that's pretty bad right it's pretty bad news yeah but then if you went to the hospital mm-hmm. you saw the doctor mm-hmm. the doctor you met her she ended up being your wife mm-hmm. in that three-month period you'd say that bad situation actually turned into be a pretty good one you For met sure. the mother of your kids and it's and yeah. it's who it is so that's yeah. the way i like to think about when i'm going through something that's shit what's it taking me towards what's it taking me towards what am i getting better at yeah what's the awesome situation and the something I'm going to get out of this. Like Nathan sure. Jones last week said him missing the grand final ended up being better for him in the long run mm. because, yes, he'd have a premiership medal, but would he have this life experience and know more about himself and what made him tick in, yeah, in that situation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and I think that if you – like, yeah, if, you, if you're only having positive emotions, again, you, you don't have range, mm. you know. It's kind of like um, – I don't know. Like everybody's going to have their heart broken. Everybody's going to lose some, somebody. And there's something oh, – this might sound strange to say, but sometimes, sometimes when you're in the middle of sadness and heartbreak, it there's something – not nice about it, but there's something like – it's an experience. Yeah. It's like I know what it's like you're to alive. be there. Yeah, yeah, you're alive. For me, I remember being um, – I remember being in Ireland and uh, I was over there doing some work and I was heartbroken. I uh, at, the, at the at the time Jim was really sick. I was losing a mentor. Mm-hmm. I was breaking up in my relationship. I was just wounded. I was like wide open. I'd bawling my eyes out in the apartment and I had to go to work. And I I remember going down to get on the bus heading into the centre of Dublin, and I was at the bus stop and somebody started talking to me next to me. You know, like, that, no, it doesn't happen that often. You know, somebody's just chatting away. And um, and I can't remember what we said, but I was just talking to them. 
And then I got on the bus and sat down and I was next to this person and they started talking to me. And I was like, this is really weird, you know, two strangers just having these kind of like conversations. And I swear it's because I was open, like completely humbled, you know, like like in those times in my life where I've been broken open, people have been able to walk towards me and engage with me. At times where I'm dominating, people have often felt intimidated. I can't relate to that guy. Like what? And they keep a distance. Oh, he's too busy. He's moving too fast. Like I can't possibly pinch a bit more of his time. But at times where I've been broken out of my feet, it's often when I've had the best connections with people, where people have said, like, I feel like I can talk to you. I don't know, there's something in that, Mm. you know what I mean? Like not saying that you wish those things. I want to break myself, you know, just so that I can have that experience. But being in it, it's like, well, at least I'm alive. I'm feeling something. I'm I'm about to learn something. I'm going to be able to relate to more people. You know, um, I'm going to understand a bit more about life. And then what often happens is it does bring about the highs. You know, you talked about crucible moments earlier or whatever we want to label them. The deepest, darkest moments often bring about our biggest highs because how do you know what a high is unless you can contrast it with a low? Mm. You know, if they're all high, it's just kind of it's boring, yeah. blur. Mm. So, oh, same stuff. Incredible. Blue people. So true. Um, what's next for you? Done incredible things um, with tomorrow, man. With everything you're going got going on tomorrow, world, tomorrow, architect, tomorrow, people. Mm. Where do you want to get to? What's like goals for the next uh, twelve months? Let's say. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> do you reflect? Um, do you do you set goals? I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Actually, I I take I take um, at least two days out, usually early December every yes. year on my own. Um, get an Airbnb somewhere and I, I go away and just block out life and try and reflect on what I want to happen next year, particularly since the businesses and all that have happened. Like I reckon I respond to about 5% of the emails that come into my – I just can't get it to yeah. it all. It's just too big. So I have to – my year's booked out 18 months in advance wow. if I don't get ahead of it. So, yeah, I do. Um it's funny you're asking that question now because, um, like, I'm struggling at the moment in in my life in that I'm struggling with the size of it. Um, uh, I was I was on a call yesterday, um, and I was being taken through everything that needs to go into the diary over the next few weeks, and I was like, I, I said, I think I'm Sam. I'm having a panic attack, kind of like almost like I'm I'm freaking out, like I'm going all blurry. I, I can't have this conversation with you right now because it's overwhelming me. Um, and so I'm kind of in a moment at the moment where as, as a father of two kids in my marriage, you know, doing living up to what I want to be in my marriage, being what I need to be for the businesses, you know, making sure that the bills are paid. It, it's just a lot. Mm. And I don't – I'm not loving it. <laughs> I'm not loving it right now. So my goals are – to find a place where I'm more present in my life. You know, I want to sit next to my boys and actually be there with them rather than be half occupied with the 15 things that I've got on and going, I just didn't hear the three things that Rivi just said to me. Or I'm finding ways to occupy Augie so that I can handle the stress that's going on in my life. So I feel like I'm at a point now 
Um, <laughs> I haven't really said this, but it's just current for me. But I think I'm at a point now where I need to find a way to say no and and to believe that hard work isn't the only thing that makes success happen. To be able to reinvest in quality and prioritise my self-care and, and you know, when it, what it's like. I do floats. I don't know if you've ever done a float yep. before, but I can't – I struggle to meditate. Um, I don't relax at all when I'm doing a massage or whatever, but a float, just that little black space and the salt's just like full stop to my body and I come out just going like, oh, my God, like I just rested. Like I don't remember resting. Um, that puts me back in my body and I literally walk out of it going like, oh, I'm feeling again. I feel like I can have a real conversation with Paige or with my mates. Like I'm present. I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm, I'm responding. So I need to find that place more often, more regularly in my life and I need to have the courage to actually um, say no, to say no, yeah. I think a part of me, I, I've always believed I work really hard you know like I, I kind of believed that jim used to say this about himself actually so i wasn't the biggest talent i played in that team with heaps of people way more talented i'd work harder than any of them i'd outwork them and and that's why i got to where i did and i've kind of believed that a bit myself i was like you know short little ranger <laughs> um you know born a few you know with a few little disadvantages to getting ahead but tenacity, like I'm tenacious and I'm going to go hard and I won't stop. I don't want to do that anymore. Like I, uh, yeah, I want to I want to balance it a bit. Don't need another back surgery. <laughs> so good. Mate, it's such good self-awareness of where you're at. I, mm. I think that so many people can relate to to being in those positions of, of like that grind, that hustle, and, and you've obviously done that. You've put your, you know, you've put your um, workplace out to so many places across Australia, but to be yeah. able to sit back now and go, fuck, this is actually what I want because yeah. if we don't do it now, we we don't at all. Like I, I say, like comfortably, I'm sort of nowhere near you are in that, but the same position of work. Like there's it's taking so many different ways, yeah. And you can if you don't align with where you're going, you can sort of go fuck. Where the fuck am I? Like yeah. am I doing this because of the financial thing, or am I doing it because I actually want to do so? Or have I just become addicted to it? Yeah, you know, like you create stuff and it's and it's great and and it grows and it, it impacts more people. Um, uh, but have I, have I gotten a bit addicted to it, you know? And 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 does it, as you were saying about strengths, does it does, does it, it strengthen me? Does it really bring me yeah. joy? The thing the thing that I'm grateful for, and I'll never take for granted, is um, I we say in our organisation we stand on the shoulders of giants, like Gussie and Gotcha backing us, like fearlessly, like fiercely believing in us. Um, there's so many people in different communities. Like, like when you look at the website, you what you won't see is just the Support, hundreds yeah. and thousands of people that have done things to bring it all to fruition, and that just blows my mind. Um, really grateful to be positively impacting the world you know what i mean like more people should get to live their life like simple as that so i still want to be doing that stuff but i also think uh, you know when you go and buy a product from somebody you're like oh here's the fitness guru and you're like they're not fit yeah (laughs) like what are they doing yeah 
I, I don't want to be that. I, yeah. I do want people to be able to go, oh, yeah, like you do have a good connection with your sons. You yeah. are emotionally touched. You oh. know how to look after yourself. Because if, yeah. if the product's broken if if the person running it isn't doing it. I feel like that sometimes as well with that like imposter syndrome of sometimes having these, you know, because I do these shows with people like yourself and other people, mm. it's like I don't want people to think that I'm nailing this. Like I'm sure, definitely yeah, not yeah. like I'm trying I'm not to either. get better at this as, <laughs> as best I can. And what you're saying that yeah. like that analogy of the um on the plane, right? Like yeah, yeah. put your own um, mask on first before sure. you start helping everyone else because yeah. if you're not in a good space, you're not going to be able to do that and impact other people. A hundred percent. Or is that is that committed work in progress? Like nobody's perfect. No way. If you pretend, if you think you yeah. are, you're fucking going backwards. Yeah, mate. Yeah. You're an incredible guy. I'd love to get you, you know, back in and do some more stuff with you. Today's been. It's actually a lot of it has just intertwined with like what exactly I need to hear at the moment, especially yeah, around right. being present at home and and yeah. and not just dedicating yourself to work and actually yeah being who you want to be, not just on the mic but off it as well. So yeah. I really appreciate it. I thank you again. I don't um, I don't say it lightly. Like, you know, what you've been doing has a massive impact on me and you said mm. that you know, if that was your goal to have an impact on someone and say it has, like definitely tick that box because mm. um, I'm one of those people and I'd be one of one of many. So mm. I thank you so much. Yeah, mate. Thank, thanks for having me on. Um, I was pretty humbled to get the um, get the invite. I'm, I'm not a huge podcaster, but yeah. I'm aware of the work that you've been doing and I've checked out a few of them over the years since you started it. And the the thing that I spoke about earlier, like there's not enough um, – there's not enough aspirational examples of how just an everyday bloke can find an entry point into this stuff. And I think a lot of people look at the people that just seem to have it nailed, like, fuck, they do it so well. Like, how do they do it? The thing that I love about watching your progression on, you know, on this podcast is you just go at it. Mm. You know, you like you go towards the thing, you feel like, hey, we should be doing this. I'm going to get the mental health guy on. <laughs> We're going to have an unfiltered conversation. It's not, it's not perfectly rehearsed. It's not – and that's – that that's what real life is like. You know, you talk about that conversation with your dad and um, it's amazing the amount of people that I've heard talk about your podcast and, and about the way that they love it because it's talking their language. It's practice, you know what I mean? Like mm. they're, they're, they're watching something and getting an idea of it and, um, yeah, like it's, it's amazing. You said that you are embarrassed, you know, by the, the first 20 eps mm. uh, and now looking back proud of it. Um, yeah, it's it's epic what you're doing, and um, yeah, really humbled to 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 get the email from you. So thanks no, for having me it. on. Yeah, there was a long time between it. It's about six years, but hopefully yeah. that from now on they could be <laughs> um, more uh, more repetitive. But um, again, yeah. mate, an honour to have you. I really appreciate the kind words, mm. and um, for anyone listening, make sure you check out everything going. I'm sure you're going to be booked out for the next seven years now <laughs> after after that, if you can, because you'll look after yeah, yourself. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. If you like the show, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, leave a review, or even share with your friends. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends Podcast, please email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.